good evening and welcome back to another episode of After Dark with Jay and The Real. Tonight, we go back to the sacred round table. The topic is about breaking the cycle and going beyond the mother wound. It's a very crucial conversation that is rather taboo and often goes unspoken. Simply because of its vulnerable aspects and lack of societal support. The core issue at the center of any woman's sacred empowerment is what we call and what is referred to as the mother wound. This wound is very painful and it has been passed down from generations of women that carry feelings of low self-worth, pain, trauma, guilt, and shame. The only way to break this cycle is to talk about it and to be aware and set aside the fear, to be able to properly process that pain because eventually, eventually the mother will, you know, eventually manifest this wound in many different unhealthy forms and it ends up preventing women from living their fullest potential. And it also prevents them from having authentic, loving and nurturing relationships not just between mothers and daughters, but between mothers and their children. And quite frankly, the mother wound, there's also the father wound. And if that is the primary nurturing caregiver as a parent, then that translates to the father wound. Um, We could spend hours upon hours discussing the cultural atmosphere and the societal oppression that has created this wound for women but that would be an entirely different episode, an entirely different podcast topic, um, and a very one, a very important one nonetheless. But tonight is about breaking the cycle of the mother wound and going beyond that. And I'm going to be exploring this with two very special women tonight who are going to be sharing their very personal experiences uh, as mother and daughter. So I would like to first welcome Christine Mann. She is the mother of two amazing daughters who are now adults, and one of which has started a family of her own. She has also been a very, very dear friend of mine for almost 15 years. And she is a super creative spirit who has a lovely business called Practical Magic Designs. Christine has an eye for design that she uses mother nature and all of the elements around her to create an experience that brings perfect union to the person and their homes, their sacred spaces. She is deeply connected to the universe, highly intuitive and incredibly brave. Christine, my friend, I am blessed to have a friend like you who's been by my side through all of the major events in my life. And I'm humbled that you've allowed yourself to be authentic and fearless in experiencing the major transformations and allowing me to witness and support you. So I wanna thank you for volunteering to share uh, your very sacred experience growing up and becoming a mother and sharing the perspective of the inception of your own mother wound and to share in the journey of you and your healing and to share the perspective of the mother during this conversation is is very special and sacred and this is a testament alone to exactly what we need as women in order to really truly grow 
beyond the mother room and to break the cycle. Giving each other as much needed support as we can during the most vulnerable times in our lives and being able to fully witness and express our deepest pains and discomfort with absolute unconditional love and support. So thank you and welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm actually very excited to be sharing this um, story with my daughter and you. And um, also just like to let everybody know how blessed I am that you have been in my last, in my life for the past, I wanna say it's been 15 years. Um, and you have also helped me in this process. So I thank you and I'm thankful to be here. Thanks, Chris. I would also like to introduce Alyssa, Alyssa Hackett, who is Christine's daughter. She is a beautiful, vivacious woman, a wife, fearless, fearless mother of two beautiful boys. She is an amazing esthetician and co-owner of Totem Culture, which is an online sister-owned clothing boutique. You can find her on Instagram. Um, she also has the spirit of a warrior and quite frankly, they both do. And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, like mother, like daughter. So Alyssa, I really wanna thank you as well for coming on and being willing to be so vulnerable and share your experience as the daughter and the things that you wanna heal and the cycles that you wanna break for your children. You're, you're a part of this conversation, you're playing mother and daughter. So I'm really excited um, for you to share your experience throughout this as well. Um, so thank you. Thank you for, for being on and welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, I am too, I'm super excited to share my story and um, just to have that perspective from being a daughter and a mom working through breaking these cycles, not just for me, but for my kids as well. So thank you for having me, I'm excited. Awesome. I'm ready to get this party started. So, um, all right, so sit back, relax. Let's get ready for this conversation. <sighs> it's a big topic. Um, so I guess I'll start by saying that the, the process of healing, the mother wound goes very, very deep. And I too sit here, you know, with my mother, mother wound and having worked on that and continuously working on that. Um, but it goes very deep and it's extremely powerful as it really initiates us as women into our higher purpose, into our power that we get to, to have in our lives. And the depth of this transformative work truly liberates us as women and allows the entanglements, um, the shackles and the repression of things that we've inherited as women from the beginning of time within specifically within our matrilineal lines. And in order for us to successfully break this cycle, we must literally get rid of and detoxify our minds, our bodies and our souls of this extremely suffocating and just ever consuming painful experience. Um, and those experiences are all different, like for each and every one of us. Um, and it is then that we can break the cycle and create and clear 
our karmic path for our children and the generations beyond the mother wound. So I'd like to open up this conversation um, and I invite Christine to share her experiences prior to the awakening that she's going through. So Chris, like you're having certain awakenings that we're gonna touch on, you know, later on in this conversation. Um, and so I guess in the beginning, there are certain things that you needed to deal with. And there were certain things that you recognized. Maybe you weren't able to articulate it back then as the mother wound. Um, so I'm asking, can you go back in a time where you were aware that something didn't feel right? You weren't sure of what the mother wound actually was, but can you identify this feeling or experience where you realize that you didn't feel that something was in alignment in relationship to your own mother? Yes, I can. Um, the memory that always stands out for me is, um, and actually having this memory then years after would make me think even younger age, I realized this too. But I was a very young mother. Um, pregnant at 17, obviously had her when I was 18. But when I became pregnant, um, a child in high school, and but my first thought was, I am not going to mother this child the way my mother mothered me. And not really understanding why I'm having this thought. I just knew that I grew up not feeling very loved, so I would say to myself, um, I'm gonna let her know every day that she's loved. I'm gonna tell her every day that she's loved. I'm going to be open conversations with her because these are the things I know I didn't have. Um, but at that age, not really understanding why I'm having these type of thoughts. Um, my upbringing was not, you know, broken home, um, you know, parents not around and basically raising myself type of thing. So going into motherhood at such a young age, I obviously I was scared, but I think I was more scared of failing as a mother already. So that it was that moment that I think about now was actually the starting point of me wanting to break the cycle, heal ancestral lineage, which I never even knew what that was until probably, you know, a few years ago type of thing. But um, yeah, that was, that, was the, that was the starting moment of understanding where I wanted to change things. And so, so basically, you know, you have this, this environment with your family, the upbringing that you had, um, many different personal experiences. And please just know that you can feel free to share as much or as little as you want about those specific experiences if you feel called to. Um, so throughout this time, you said you were pregnant at 17, had Alyssa at 18. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. You had already 
at that time you're saying felt that whatever you were experiencing you wanted to do differently at that young age you already knew that yes okay but not understanding like not really understanding why i'm having these thoughts type of thing mm -hmm. you know, that was my feeling but you knew intuitively as a human being as a woman as a mother that there were many things that you wanted to do different based on your experiences yeah but i don't think at that point and i'm and i'm listening to what you're saying you had any idea of the magnitude of what that actually meant exactly. yeah so once you had these experiences and realizations in your life when did you start talking to your daughters about breaking this cycle um i think it was probably it's within five six years i would think I mean, yeah i even feel like maybe at some point in my late teens. Yeah. I would, cycle, but I don't think I even knew the depth of what that really meant. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll we'll say within I guess like ten years. Well 10 so years. so just for our listeners, just to give you an idea of age. So within the last six to ten years you're saying, how old would that make you, Alyssa, at that time? Um twenty. I'd be twenty. About twenty. So at about 20 years old, you started having conversations with your, your daughters about this on whatever scale it was. It was a verbal recognition. Okay, there's a cycle that I, we need to break and this is kind of what's going on. And so you were more open and articulate about that part of what you wanted to change. Yes. Okay. Yes. So um, naturally with mother wound experiences, they're nothing short of painful. And in working with this huge energy, um, it's important to sit with your pain. And I feel like, and I, you know, when I talk, I base things based on my own experiences. Um, but I do think it's safe to say that I think the first part is bringing it to your awareness. And once you're aware of this, um, it's almost epic. It really is. You have this awareness and it's just so big. And then, and it's, and it's great because you have this awareness and now you're open versus closed down and going through like denial stages that many people do. Um, but now you have this awareness and the pain sets in. And it's important because the only way through this is to sit with your pain. Um, and it was something that I had said in the last podcast about conscious vulnerability is there's no way around it. You can't go, you can't go around it. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You have to go through it. And sitting with your pain is, seems like a simple act. You can say that to someone, go sit with your pain. That's the way, you know, to get to the other side. But it's profoundly one of the most difficult things to do. And it truly, yeah, it, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. I mean, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. But I feel like it, it's a whole process of you think you're sitting in your pain. Like you, you, when you first start realizing, oh, okay, like I have these certain pains, you think you're sitting in them. But then once you work through them, it could be years later. And then you really sit and you're like, okay, I did not sit in it. Like now I'm sitting in it and now I can see it better. So it's a, a very long process it has been a very long process and and i would i know some people are like oh, 
you know, like, it, like I had just had a conversation with my sister today about this. Like it's a long process, but it's well worth it. So that's. And it's not a, it's not a one and done thing. And just as you're saying, when you, you can sit in it, but that doesn't mean you're not going to sit in it multiple times because you're going to find yourself with whatever it is. It could be the mother wound. It could be grief. It could be anything that triggers and brings up the aspects of where we're wounded. You know, you can sit through that, you know, several rounds like boxing. And it's, it's just when you think you got there, something else triggers you. And here we are again, facing the pain. And I mean, the beauty in that is it's painful, but it's bringing up lessons. It's clearing all the shit out, you know? Um, but it requires great honesty and incredible uh, vulnerability, which in this specific trauma, the mother wound trauma is scary because the mother wound trauma goes back to ultimate vulnerability because it starts when we're like in survival, where these babies that need to be cared for, it's, it's extreme vulnerability. And so Oftentimes we begin to feel our pain and we choose to bypass it. We choose to rush through it, uh, numb it or avoid it in any way that we can. But to acknowledge it takes great courage. And this is where surrender comes in. When we reach a point in our healing that we've all read about in books, you know, consulting all of our gurus and trying fancy techniques, the only thing that's left and the last thing that is left is to feel our painful feelings and to sit in them. And ironically enough, our pain, sitting through our pain is precisely what we need to do because it's going to lead us to the other side where is exactly where we need to be. Um, the willingness to do this work and to endure this extreme discomfort and the willingness to go through a transformation of this magnitude is terrifying but it's the only way to break the cycle um a lot of people think that vulnerability is weak and i get it you know it's i get it it it, it, it feels that way yeah it feels that way um and when we get to that other side i think that's where we really truly begin to understand joy and how we can live fully in our purpose um not only for ourselves but for our children whom we love with all of our souls which is why we do everything that we do but sometimes in every effort we make to protect our children we end up doing exactly what we didn't want to do um And that's like the story here. That is exactly the story. Yeah. So uh, that was one of the, you know, I had texted you that day because when I, I came to this, like, I mean, this has been a year's process, you know, working through many different therapists and, um, and then, but, you know, in the past year and a half, I've been dealing with a certain therapist that really just brought it out um, and made me, help me realize lots of things, but going back to the point of it took the most hurtful and heart-wrenching rip my heart out hearing things from my daughters for me to 
be so proud of how far we've actually come, how far I've come, how far my daughters have come that we can all sit together and they can tell me. So, I mean, I feel like there's like this whole big story of, you know, it goes through when I said 17, I'm going to be the best mother. I'm not going to be the mother of my mother's. Then you, and then I was, you know, I was a single mother then. And then a few years later, um, I end up with my ex-husband and that was a very unhealthy um, relationship that um, I've just recently got out of. It's been four years. But all that time in that chaos that was constantly there because of my upbringing, because of my mother teaching me how you're supposed to be, you grow up Catholic, you're not supposed to get divorced, you're supposed to just deal with it. And, you know, you'll work through it. Um, but it was a constant chaos in my house. And being in that constant chaos, I thought I was protecting my daughters from the chaos of my ex-husband and I. And then in return, you know, and I, every day, they knew, I, well, I thought, they knew. I made sure I told them every single day I loved them. They didn't go to bed without me saying, love you, sweet dreams, good night. They didn't leave that house until I said, love you, you know, have a good day. And then, you know, years later was protective white light, love you. You know, it was never a time on the phone, love you. Because to me, it was, I'm making sure they know I love them. I didn't have that. And then, you know, now comes to this, because this is very new, like this. Well, this before, before you go into the newness of it. Just let's just pause for a second, um, and I and I just want to take a minute. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I I want to go here. Um, but before we do that, Alyssa, because you sit at the sacred round table, embodying both currently the mother and the daughter doing this sacred work. What and everything that your mother has just talked about up to this point. Um, what experiences can you look back on and are currently going through that has brought an awareness to your mother world and why you want to break the cycle? Well, so for me, um, I, and I'm doing a lot of this, trying to work this out in therapy, you know, right now, um, but I have to touch back on like being a kid and thinking about why I am the way I am, why the anxieties that I have, and I have to dig deep and find out why I feel scared about something. And it, you know, it just leads back to something that happened in my childhood, um, just growing up in that household. Um, I hid a lot. There was, like my mom said, constant chaos. There was always, it just was never calm. I could never relax in that house. Um, with my stepdad, it was very, you can never please him. You can never do anything, uh, anything right. If I missed a piece of dust on the counter, you know, so, I mean, and I struggle with those things today, too, like with the chaos, like when my kids are running and playing and it's just 
they're laughing and they're having fun and the house is kind of a wreck it throws me into an anxiety and I didn't realize until recently that it's that chaos that should be just joyful playful you know happy kid stuff but it was bringing me back to being a kid where you really you didn't you weren't supposed to be seen or heard so um and then also with my mom saying you know she she told us every day love you goodbye or love you good night that type of thing uh, um she had called me and mentioned that my sister had just told her that she never felt loved and i you know i told her too because she's like i always told you i love you goodbye i love you good night whatever and I had to tell her, you know, from my point of view too, that it was routine. It didn't feel, um, I guess, authentic. It was just something it's like we had to say every day because we were in a constant state of like fear all the time. We had to please my dad, make sure the house looked okay or we couldn't he had to be able to hear his television or that, you know, that whole just not being seen or heard. And, and then with my mom too, her dealing with my stepdad all the time, you know, she was going through things as, as a kid, I didn't know, I didn't see. Um, but so that made her, uh, I, I don't know, irritable, I guess, all the time. And she was always kind of just quick to be like, can you just go do this? Your father's going to be home. Can we just, you know, can we keep the peace this way? Like just um, all that external stuff, not really focusing on. We never as kids got to feel what we felt inside or talk about how we felt inside. And um, like I said, I hid a lot and that was just my thing I always found a hiding space to to hide away and just kind of what <laughs> I just but that's one of the points to this that's like one of the major points this is I thought I was going to do different but everything she's explaining how she felt was exactly how I felt as a child so not being very conscious of it, not knowing, I actually, because of not having the tools or a positive role model or how to do things differently, even though I was like, I'm going to do it differently, God damn it. But it's not, it didn't happen that way. It, I did some things different, but I still instilled what I was taught into them. Those feelings, those insecurities, you know what I mean? So that's what it is, is that cycle is just circling 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 and it probably was from my mother from her mother from the grandmother the great like it's all goes down so i think it's just like a perfect point of that's that cycle that we are talking about breaking well it's interesting because and i just i love how this works with divine timing because it really flows into exactly what i was going to talk about next but before i do that it's interesting that you can say good night, I love you, um, or whatever the exact words that you used. And 
for your daughters to still feel um, like it was routine. And I think there's something to be said for our intention and our energy and thoughts that are put into the words that come out of our mouth because we can say, I love you. We can say the things that you had said, but the place it was coming from was the place of fear and anxiety. And I'm gonna say these things because I wanna make sure that they know. And it was never out of like calm. The love is genuine. The love is always genuine, but the energy space from which it was born to their ears, out of your mouth to their ears was like, you know, basically like, everything's not okay, but everything's okay. And I love you. And it's gonna be like the energy that's transferring through those words was a different place than you are now having, you know, first you're recognizing that. And now when you speak those words, they take on a whole new meaning, not because the words are different, but because the energy from which it's coming from is different. And Alyssa, both of you actually had mentioned this same exact point in, in the podcast. You talked about your voices and that's, that's where I was going next. So I want to take a moment to look at losing and finding your voice throughout the mother wound. There has to be a time within all of these experiences where either one of you have felt that you wanted, needed to, or couldn't say something or shouldn't say something. And that's where, um, I mean, you could take that back to societal programming and circumstance. You know, it's about shutting, shutting it down, not acknowledging it, women being made to feel scared, unworthy, disempowered. Um, so do you, in having mentioned your voice, not being able to express um, your feelings, do you have examples that you are willing to share with our audience of those moments when you wish you would have spoken up? And in addition, were there any specific times you can reflect on where you found your voice and chose to use your voice? So both of those circumstances. You want to touch on that? Um, I would say, um, I would say like, actually like throughout my whole life, I wouldn't use my voice because of, you know, the programming, you know, of not feeling worthy or just smart or anything like those types of, so when you're in those, so then when it comes into my adult life, you know, that had carried on with me. So, I mean, I would rage to the point of screaming, yelling, blacking out, not remember what I'm saying to the point. And then, but then in another sense, feeling like I can't speak my truth about things because it might cause the chaos. Um, and then with my girls, like when they were younger, I don't think I would have been able to express to them my truth and things, how I express it now because of feeling of not if I, if I say that to them, I'm not, I won't be the strong mother that they think I am because my girls have always viewed me as very strong, which 
would amaze me because I would always feel very weak in every situation type of thing. So um, I think that's where I, I, I didn't have my voice. So, I mean, but then I learned to have my voice, you know, within these past five years type of thing and, and express to them, you know, my responsibility and things. And, um, and then I, I feel like that has helped them respect me more. So I'm sorry. Was if was that, did I answer your question correctly? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as a child and also knowing you, um, you, I, I were always kind of quieted even even as you got older you're always told to be quiet or to not express yourself these are the things that i know these are also the things that i'm hearing um and what's interesting is that as you got older because you were told not to use your voice basically not to express yourself you went to the extreme of of having the need to be shut down and repressed to raging out and screaming at the top of your lungs because Basically, the mother wound is that you can't express yourself. You want to be heard. You want to be seen. And now I'm going to scream it out. And the irritability sets in and the anger and the frustration. And so your voice becomes loud, louder, because these are all of your emotions that are crying out to be noticed and for people to really hear, for you to be seen and felt. And so it's interesting to see that the, the magnitude of that dichotomy of the extremes um, so yes, you did. You did answer my question. Um, I wasn't sure if maybe there was a specific event in your life where you chose to speak up and speak out, or was this more of a gradual thing for you? Or was there something that you said, this is it, I'm using my voice? Um, I'm sure there's been so many of those honestly um I'm just drawing up like but like I think maybe I finally had my moment of when I freed myself from my relationship um you know it was a simple thing it was at a concert you know our normal driving there arguing we get there then we put on our pretty faces like let's pretend now and just I had such a I I knew I needed to get out and then just one thing clicked. He just screamed at me for something, said something to me and I just screamed like, I'm out. And I just walked out. And I knew sitting up there, I sat up at the entrance of the concert the whole night until it was over because Alyssa and Kevin were there. So I was waiting for them. Thinking to myself, I finally used my screaming or, or that loudness as it broke it like it, it finally broke something because because when you're saying because when you were saying the whole you know you're screaming because to hear me that's exactly what I would say because I would there were, you know that would always be thrown in my face like you always you're yelling and that's horrible and, blah, 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 blah. and I'm like but I feel like that's the only way anybody listens to me because I've always been so suppressed and not allowed to speak so but that night felt like I actually broke something like something broke something because I screamed like that's it I'm done and I knew right from then that that's you know that was gonna break the cycle for me and that was gonna start my growth so um that was and, that, and ever since then it was that was it, like the moment it popped and you were able to like shatter the glass almost and then all of the fragments started to fall yeah, into place exactly 
Yeah. And it's so funny now because now I, I, I think about my life now. I don't wake up every day and I'm not angry. I don't, I can't even really remember the last time I raged. Like it just that, oh, I always felt like that's just who I am, but it's really not. I am a very loud, I can be very loud, but that's just because I like to, um, I've, I've actually found myself that I'm very outspoken. I'm very loud. I'm very outgoing when all these things were so suppressed for years. So I feel like my loudness now is just like all the years of I've been so like not allowed to say anything. So like, here I am, like, you know, I want to have fun and I just want to let loose kind of thing. You're enjoying. Yeah, I'm enjoying, but I, I'm not in the loud part of angry and I'm not, that is so, and that feels so good. Like that part is so good. So, and I think that also helps my girls see me in a different light now. They see me not in this rage mode anymore. Like, so, I mean, like they still have their trigger moments, obviously, and they still feel like they can't come to me for things because there's still that fear of she's going to rage. Well, that's, that's the, that's the cycle that we want to break. Exactly. Um, Alyssa, how about you? I know you, you actually had mentioned that you had to be quiet. Um, so if you can speak a little bit to that, and then maybe there was a moment for you that you felt you were able to finally use your voice. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, as kids, we had to be quiet, you know, not heard at all. So. And also, so, I mean, with that, you know, we had no voice. We didn't really have a say in much at all. And then, you know, with therapy learning, there's a lot with the codependency too. Like we just kept quiet because we also feared for maybe potentially hurting somebody else's feelings. And we put that above ourselves when, you know, and I look on it now as a mom and I see my little kids, like I never want them to suppress themselves and what they feel and, and put me above them. That's not because I mean, you know, they need to know that they're important. They're just as important as anybody else in this world. Um, so yeah, there was always that we, we were never really allowed to vocalize anything really about anything. Um, because we just always felt like there'd be some sort of backlash or, you know, we'd be told we were wrong or something. So, um, but I think for me, I, you know, with therapy, um, just this past year or last year, um, I had a moment, well, my therapist had told me, you know, your opinion matters. He's told me to stop just, I needed to know that I mattered and that my voice mattered. What I said, what I felt, all that stuff, it mattered. So that's been sitting with me. Like anytime I do something and I start to see myself not speak up for myself, I hear him, your opinion matters. And so I have been recently voicing how I feel, my opinions, regardless of that little voice in the back of my head saying, what if they feel this way? Maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't want to offend them. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Um, 
but it really for me had to do with my kids, my boys. Um, we were going through a situation on, you know, my spouse's side of the family where I was seeing some things that I just, I didn't like and um, talking with the therapist about it and I had to say something. I wasn't going to watch a cycle repeat itself um, and be inflicted on my kids. So I, it took me about a week, but I, I, I had to write it out, perfect what I had to say, um, really made sure I, I said what I needed to say and make it so it wasn't about that other person, but it was more so about my kids, my family. Um, and, but yeah, it took me about a week and um, I was finally able to say what I had to say. And that was, that was the, the start of it all for me. And so from there on out, um, I've really made it a point to, to speak my truth, to say what I feel, to, you know, to protect my family from all this ancestral garbage. Thank you for sharing that. You're so much of what you both, and I include myself in this because as you're talking, you know, I go through my own mother wound experiences. Um, there was something that you touched on about your opinion matters and you don't want your children to ever hold back and put you first over their feelings and their needs. And that ties in beautifully to something I'm gonna talk about. It wasn't something that, you know, I'm doing the work myself um, and have been doing it for a long time, but there was something that really put, I'm holding onto that thought for a reason because we're gonna circle back to it. But there are four functions of mothering and that specific thing about your children putting the needs of the mother first, the guilt of not wanting to say something in fear of how you're going to affect them is part of that. Um, I learned about this dharmic wisdom of the mother wound and within that are is there's what they call the four functions of mothering. Um, this person actually, his name is uh, Philip Moffitt. He, he was actually the former CEO of Esquire magazine. And he gave up everything, all of his you know worldly aspirations and his business and decided to open up a, a place called the Life Balance Institute where he talks about Dharmic wisdom and teaches uh, specific meditations. Um, and without going into detail about all of that work, because it's it's what we're talking about and many other things, but specifically in regards to the dharmic wisdom of the mother wound, the aspect that he teaches and touches on um, is about how the mother and the father wound damage the mind, body, and soul, and it needs proper healing. But specifically what he talks about in breaking down the functions of mothering is the teachings that the mother is the nurturer, protector, empowerer, and initiator. And it was fascinating because when you break down those four functions 
and you really look at each one of those functions, you can see and identify the places where you are affected and the places in, in, in the sense where you're affecting your children. And I'm gonna go through that with you. Um, I believe we all truly, I mean, you know, I shouldn't say that, that's not fair. I believe many of us as mothers truly understand the function of a mother as nurturer. Um, you know, basically it's the level of care that goes into the survival and the nurturing of our children's physical and emotional needs. And it, it enables us to give them exactly what they need in order to develop and grow the basic needs of nurturing. And many people don't receive that as a child. Um, and I know that based on speaking to both of you, there were aspects of nurturing that were not present for either one of you, whether it's the same places. I mean, everyone's individual journey is very different, but that was a place that you didn't have all of that you needed to develop and grow. Maybe you had your, your food and your water and your shelter, you know, beyond those things though. Um, the next one is uh, the function of the mother as protector. And I, and I know, like, I could be hyper-protective. Um, and I know that mothers, it's our instinctive nature to protect our young from emotional and physical harm. So to identify your vulnerability and act as a protector, guardian and warrior of our children is that role. And I know that as a mother, I fiercely love and protect my kids. And sometimes I find myself hyper-vigilant because of my mother wounds, which is that piece that in being hypervigilant and wanting to protect, you sometimes create the fucking pattern that you wanna get away from. So what role did mother as protector play for you in your lives as both mother and daughter? If you can share a little bit about that. Well, as you're saying that, I'm just nodding my head, nodding my head, nodding my head, because that's exactly our, the path that has taken, because I was, and the girls will tell you that, that if there was anything going down, they know mom would be the one protecting. Because that's how, you know, I felt like I needed to be, even in the chaos with my, you know, and. My, I felt the need to protect them all the time. I was always reared up, right? Leave them, you know, like stop criticizing them, stop saying these things, stop. Like I'm always fighting, fighting, fighting for them. And then being like, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm doing like, so that put that pattern, even though it was, I thought I was being super bear, you know, mama bear of, you know, protection, but, it still lost the, the the girls lost the the message through it that I thought I was giving, and that is that cycle that is the same message I got from like my mother didn't my mother didn't protect me she didn't rear up so I felt like I if I'm doing that for these kids I'm rearing up I'm showing you this is what I'm showing you because I didn't get that so I'm so it's because that's why as you're saying it, i'm shaking my head like exactly that's exactly how it went 
I went overprotective, over rearing up because I didn't get that. I over told them I love them because I didn't get that. So you think you're doing the right things, but even though you're doing it a little bit different, they're still getting that same message as you got as a child. And it, it just amazes me to like, I mean, like once I was, you know, connecting all the dots, you know, putting all the puzzle pieces together, it was like, that's, that's that is, I mean, like it's, it's, it's horrible to a point, but it's, it's also amazing that it is so true with, um, breaking the cycle. And, and once you really, once you really realize it, you're like, okay, now let's learn how to really do it different because obviously I didn't provide that for them. So yeah, I get, I get that whole thing. And how about you, Liz? Um, so for me, you know, she was talking about being that, like she would get overly protective, very over the top. So, you know, I have, I have told her, like, if I knew anything, it was that you would protect us. But at the same time, being that kid, I was like, well, I don't really know if I want to tell mom anything because she's going to take it over the top and then it's going to turn into something that it's not so it was always like do I tell her do I not whatever it was you know I don't even know you know any things to share about that but like I, I knew that I was always unsure if I should you know share anything um because I didn't know which well I kind of knew which mom I would get but um <laughs> it was I didn't know if it, if she was going to make it a bigger deal than it actually was um but for me being a mom now I have realized with my first son I was very much a helicopter mom very afraid to let him do anything too risky you know so and I see that he's almost seven he'll be seven next month so I can see a little bit of how that has affected him today with my second child I I mean I was a bit angry after first having him I went through really bad postpartum so I can see how he kind of resembles me in a way he kind of gets a little angry very quick but I also have started doing it very different. Um, and since he's younger, very early on, that I, I see a huge difference in, in my boys. Um, but can I ask a question? Yeah. Is there an example you can give that you realized, like how I realized, um, I thought I was doing different, but was giving the same message as my mom gave me? Was there any point for you where you realized you thought you were doing it different, but you still might have been giving the same message? Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, so with my, my first son, I don't think I was anything like you, to be honest. Um, I was very patient. I was a bit of a helicopter mom, but I think I was total opposite of what 
you know, I had, um, but it wasn't until Styles, my youngest, um, that I went into depression and I kind of got sucked into that loop. The, the um, you know, just all the trauma and all of that, um, that depression kind of just pulled me into all of these old, I guess, patterns from my childhood. Um, and I found myself very impatient, um, very loud, kind of over the top, angry, um, you know, I'm sure Justin felt like at times like he couldn't do anything right. And with Styles too, him being a baby, you know, I would just, that impatientness, I, I would kind of snap quicker. And I say it this day, like after I had Styles, I wasn't the same. And I still feel, I mean, I feel bad that Justin had I felt like a good mom in the beginning and then he has his brother and then I turn into and I, I give my kids what I what I n never wanted to be and I kind of beat myself up for that for for kind of taking that turn and going in the opposite direction when I thought I was you know I wasn't on that path so but now realizing it going through therapy and all of this stuff, um, you know, I, I'm for the past year, I've really tried to make a hard turn and and break those patterns and those cycles and kind of instill, you know, I'm trying to be that mom that I was in the beginning. I think the hardest part is, um, there really isn't a safe space that this society allows us to be in, in expressing these postpartum. I mean, postpartum is huge. I mean, that's a whole other, that's a whole other topic, but postpartum is huge. And that's on top of the mother wound. And talking about this is taboo, a mother, being able to have a support system of other mo mothers to empower them and saying that, you know what, postpartum is hard or depression is hard or just even void of those things, being a mother is hard. And, and I love my children, but sometimes I don't like being a mother. That doesn't reflect on our children. It's okay because being a woman doesn't mean that we're not human. And I love that more and more we have the ability to to congregate as women to have these support systems and you know technology even allows us to reach people to empower them but if you look back at generations you know your mother's generation my mother's generation the generation before that the generation before that there was no such thing as therapy there was no such thing as a woman doing anything other than bearing children and sitting home so we have centuries of programming that we're trying to break the cycle of and no one to empower that within us. And so 
the ones that are awakening to the mother wound that are brave enough to tap into it, as are both of you, are the ones that are choosing to be, uh, which is actually the next function of mother as empowerer, to really be able to empower our children and instill great confidence and provide encouragement that is so fundamental in their growth process. If we could only truly encourage and empower our children during the tender ages of their growth, then we would have a society of empowered women. So if you look around us today, women are still trying to find their power. They're still trying to find their voice and they're still trying to heal this mother wound. And as I said before, this goes on for generations and generations. And I would just love a world for our children where they're not seeking empowerment as adults, where their childhood could be full of joy and a world where the goddess, the woman reemerges whole and the cycle is broken. Um, before we continue, I just, I really want to give you both so much credit as a mother and daughter team because you're actively working together to break the cycle and pave the way for our future generations of children. And so, you know, so that this place of the mother wound does not consume the highest potential of our children and even the highest potential of yourselves because it's never too late to start. And here you are. And you know, and you know, though, what's interesting is that in listening to your story so far, you know, once once the mother wound is is created or passed down and you're dealing with it, you, you mean, Chris, you can't, it's not like you can sit there and talk to your, you know, 10-year-old child, maybe your eight-year-old child about the mother wound. It's it's in due timing. And your actions speak louder than words at that point, at that age. And then when they get to the, to a certain age where they can really understand that process, it's when you chose, when you were ready, that's when you chose to start speaking to them. Um, and and it's, it's definitely our sacred duty as mothers to empower our children. And you did that. You both are doing that. And it sounds, it sounds easy, but in many respects, it's difficult, especially if you have that pre-programming of a traumatic upbringing. And it's a situation that both the mother and daughter are unconsciously involved in. It was unconscious until you brought it to your consciousness. And so the mothers and daughters within the relationship feed off of one another's internalizations. And this is, this is what I was going to get to, Alyssa, when you were talking about your son. Um, you not wanting him to put your feelings first ahead of his own. So mothers and their children within the relationship feed off of one another's internalizations and mothers can feel themselves like disempowering their children because they didn't get to fully actualize their own potential as a child. And when a daughter or son feels their mother's pain, they often will choose to be disempowered because they fear the reaction, which is what you were talking about. They fear the reaction of their mother and or creating bad feelings for their mother. So it becomes like a, a repetitive cycle of codependency because you're putting someone else before yourself. And that's what you were talking about, not wanting your son to be disempowered. 
And if, if a mother truly feels that she's not good enough, then our daughters and our sons will in turn unconsciously feel that they're not good enough. And so right there, the cycle continues. And in the world we live in, it's a very scary place for women to truly be because they need to step into their power and their potential. But in their minds, in this cycle, it may mean risking rejection from the parent. And there's a lot of guilt attached to this. And that guilt is debilitating. And in, in most mothers, in their minds, they don't want to carry the pain in their childhood. So they make decisions out of love and protection for their children, but what they don't realize, which is what we were just talking about, is that they are playing out the same patterns because their unconscious programming they carry from their early childhood, which ends up on a subconscious level confusing their daughters and their sons because they end up creating a dynamic with the parent that is based in fear, rejection, and guilt. And because it's not conscious, once there's a level of awareness, that is when mothers need to take the responsibility to, to heal this. And that's the awareness that you both have had. You're, you're realizing and bringing to your consciousness that this is my responsibility to heal this. And Christine, I know that through all of the time that we've been best friends, and you've always spoken of how you would never parent the way your mother did and that your goal was to do everything better. Um, you realized, you said to me, after all this time, I realized I did not parent differently after all of this time and you were convinced that you did. And when you had this realization, you were able to have this awareness through your daughters being able to speak their truth of their pain. And this is the part in the beginning that I was saying we were gonna to get to where you had to receive those truths. You had to sit back and receive those truths about what your children expressed to you and that you had to really go inward. So if you can share that part of your journey about how the both, or actually all three of you came to sit down and what that meant for you, that would be great. Okay, so yeah. Um... These past few years, I, I know that um, I have also played a part, you know, in showing my daughters how I have changed and showing up and admitting my faults and taking ownership. And, and I thought, you know, and then, then they started going to therapy and then, you know, my son-in-law going to therapy and like it just spreading out and everybody is collectively working on you know themselves but also breaking the cycle so all this time i'm like i'm i'm very proud of everybody i'm actually proud of myself that they see you know because if it wasn't you know like that my therapist will tell me you did this you brought them here you got them here they see the change they want to make that change too so i was always very like see i'm breaking this breaking we're breaking i would say it all the time then i'm like all excited we're breaking the cycle and then my youngest who i wish would have um, you know, I understand she's, my youngest is 24 and she's, um, just literally like if she was a bird in a, in a, in an egg, you know, pecking, pecking away out of the shell. Like she's just starting to finally speak her truth and, and share things with us. And, um, so, you know, she's very at a stage right now where she wouldn't have been comfortable, um, talking about it, which I totally respect. 
So, but it was first her conversation that I had with her. Um, it was like really the first time she expressed her feelings from childhood. So um, I had asked her to come over one day and we were having discussions and she was thinking about leaving therapy. And I was like, you know, I, I, I just feel like you need to give it a little more time. You know, we're discussing things. And I said, Mariah, you know, I need to know, you know, was there something um, from your childhood? Like, let's work on that. Like, let's work on, because, you know, I'm all about like, let's break the cycles. And she, um, she revealed to me that she, her whole life felt like she was a burden and that she did not feel love. So I'm going to get emotional. So of course, as a mother, when you think you're doing the opposite, that ripped my, you know, I sat there, I cried, I accepted it. I didn't say, how dare you? I didn't reject her I did you know I let her speak her truth to me because I'm in a way different space five years ago I might have been like I can't believe you're saying this to me but I knew that was her truth and I but it was then that I was like I didn't break the cycle I thought that was why I thought I was doing it different but I didn't I did I thought like that was like my huge aha moment as much as it hurt and I had to sit with that and I had to let it go in and I had to take responsibility and feel her pain you know and obviously it brings me back to a child and feeling that pain and like everything was just reserved it was like the most emotional week and a half I had because um and I had to sit with it and and I but then I had the conversation with Alyssa. I said, you know, I told her what happened and I said, how did you feel? And then that's when she was like, she said, she said, I didn't feel love. So again, the whole, that was the most hardest thing to hear as a mother. When you love your children, you, you, you just love them unconditionally and you think you're protecting them and you think you're doing different. And you think you, even after all these years of showing them a different way to be, I, that was the moment I was like, no, you didn't do it different. You did not because you, I had no idea. I honestly had no idea my daughters felt that way. So that was like the huge moment of, okay, so now we're really working on this. And we did it all, did a session together and they talked about other things. And yes, it hurts. It hurts like fucking hell, but you, when you get to that healthy point, you get to that point in your life where you are um, work through it enough where you are able to take it in, take responsibility, understand that that's their trauma, that's their wounds. And as a parent, because you didn't have the tools, you didn't have the role models, even though you want to do it differently and you think in your head, I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to do X, Y, Z differently. I'm not going to... I'm going to tell my kids I love them every day. I'm going to, you know, hug them. I'm going to things that I never got. I'm going to protect them. But because you didn't have the proper tools or the proper role models or the understanding of exactly where this is all coming from, you still 
are repeating the cycle. So that was a huge moment for me. And that was a huge proud moment for me too, for my daughters. I was like so proud of them for being able to tell me that because to this day, as much as I want to, my, you know, 78 year old mother, I would not be able to have that conversation because she's so not willing to um, take responsibility or own anything. So, which I find sad because I think this has opened up a whole new relationship between my daughters and I. And I feel like we should like, that's why I was so excited to like text you. Like it was such a huge breakthrough as much as it hurt, but as it was such a huge breakthrough to be able to literally break the cycle. We literally broke that cycle and we are literally healing ancestral lineage and it goes back deep. And I feel like it now is spreading because you know, you think of ancestral lineage, it, it goes to the men, it goes to the sons, it goes through, you know, now it can go back through my sisters and it can go through my other, you know, nieces and nephews. It's breaking and it's, it, it just, it feels good because I feel like now like sparks are going to keep going off for people to, oh, this doesn't feel right. Why doesn't this feel right? Let me figure that out kind of thing. And not just go through life, like in a numb mode of, you know, the cycle that we've been programmed to do. So, um, that's, well, I want to say too, you're saying how it, you know, kind of filters through, recycles through, you know, your family, um, for me, you know, I'm I'm doing this for myself, but I'm doing this for my boys because I need them to be strong and empowered and feel good about themselves. But I'm, you know, they're boys, they'll be men. And I need to make sure I set an example of, you know, they're gonna pick wives one day, maybe. And I need to make sure that I'm strong and I'm empowered and I show them a good example of, you know the type of woman that they want to be with i need to make sure they pick a strong healthy empowered woman to match their healthy empowered selves as well so and you know when they have kids they have kids like so this doesn't repeat ever but i really feel like it's not well yeah because we're literally breaking that cycle yeah well and that is that is exactly what's happening because now the unconscious has been made conscious and also you know this yes this is a mother-daughter conversation but it is very much a mother-son conversation a father-son a father-daughter you know that your your husband too he has his own mother wounds you know you have your mother wounds he has his mother wounds and so like you're saying to be strong to be able to recognize that and, you know, help him to understand that that the type of woman in his life should be an empowered woman and setting the example. And that, you know, that actually brings me to the fourth function of Dharmic wisdom, which is mother as initiator, which is not completely fully easy to understand, but I'm, I'm going to do my best to explain it. But we spend our lives growing and experiencing different milestones. You know, different phases, different life initiations. And so I guess that's where mother as initiator comes in um, using that term. Um, but this specific function 
is about how the mother helps their daughters. I'm going to speak to daughters specifically, which basically you can integrate um, for your children. But this function is about how mothers help their daughters become initiated into womanhood. And only a mother can do that. You know, when, when initiation happens, that's when the mother honors and recognizes the brightness and the power that their daughters have, that the, pa- the power in their daughters during the time of their awakening into, into womanhood. And so when you lack that experience as a child, that's part of your mother wound, a mother that is not in the initial, is not mother as initiator, then that's when things go unsaid. That's when the pain, that's where the pain lies. That's where things are not realized. Um, and it's all about the things that no one taps into, the things that go unsaid that are finally spoken of and spoken about. And initiation, you know, for us, you know, the three of us here, we, we're pretty clear on initiation. You know, it, it happens through sacred conversation. This is a, is a, a sacred conversation and initiation. You know, honoring, I mean, these days it's crazy. My daughter came to me the other day and she said, Mom, I'm on the phone with my friend and she just got her period and I'm helping her with that. And I said, that's wonderful, sweetheart, but you know, where's her mother? She's afraid to tell her mother. And I was just so taken back and I said, sweetheart, keep doing what you're doing, but tell her that she needs to, to talk to her mom. And the fact that she was afraid to talk to her mother about such a huge initiation into womanhood had, had me thinking so many different questions you know, different things. And like that's exactly some of the things that are not tapped into. And those are some of the things that go unsaid. But when you provide that nurturing space and environment, whether it's external or internal, you know, like what we were just talking about, honoring the moon cycle. When my daughter, you know, enters womanhood, I'm going to make sure she knows that it's such a sacred moment in her life and honor that. Um, the point is that your children need to feel encouragement and strength and power in order to be themselves. And she needs, she meaning the daughters and mothers, you know, she needs to just feel encouragement and strength and power to be herself in all of her aspects without feeling guilt, shame, or fear. And it's almost as if you separate that etheric um, umbilical cord, if you will, where your child or your daughter or your son, you know, can actually separate from you and actualize themselves with full support and love from their parents. And this is the most sacred, sacred thing that you can do being a mother as initiator and being able to break the cycle because doing this heals yourself and Chris, as you said, the generations before you, you know, you can change the energy and the alchemy of the past and it heals the future. It heals your children. And this is exactly what the two of you are doing now, which tells every listener that they have the ability to change their past. You can change your past once you change your perspective and you know that you have the ability to break the cycle. And it's not too late. It's never too late. Um, you know, women shouldn't 
women shouldn't feel bad for nurturing themselves. They shouldn't feel bad for consciously mothering themselves. And this is really important in having a circle of mothers. We always talk about the importance of, you know, women's circles and having a circle of mothers, a circle of women in a conscious community that's consciously caring for themselves. And when we're able to process our pain and create safe spaces for ourselves and women where they can express their vulnerability and deep truths about their experiences as mothers and daughters, like you both are doing, you're able to express yourselves and your experiences, but to accept those things with love. You know, we're actively healing the lineage of our ancestors and future generations. So expressing these wounds openly and no longer hiding them, you know, you, you can develop a better relationship with yourself and the people that you love. And it takes great deep self-acceptance to be this open, no matter who you are. <laughs> no matter who you are, all we wanna do is feel safe in our own skin. And we wanna be able to have the freedom to be exactly who the hell we are and stop limiting ourselves and stop feeling like we have to wear all these goddamn masks. You know, put down the armor. You have a mask for every occasion, for every person you meet, for every situation. It's like, be, it would be nice to just be naked and vulnerable and bare and raw and authentic and it, it not be a thing, you know? And it's gonna take time, but it's breaking the cycles and opportunity to really understand the meaning of the divine feminine, which is something we talk about a lot and the essence of reconnection in your heart. So it's a scary journey, but one that should be celebrated. And you both should be so freaking proud <laughs> to be committed to this journey. And I'm truly grateful for you, your vulnerability, and just sharing such deep and profound experiences that takes really, really great courage. And I know that everything that you shared and that you're talking about is impacting someone somewhere that will now be unafraid to share their feelings, that will now know that they can change the past, that now know they can change the future. So I honor both of you. And as I said before, you should both be so proud of your commitment to this journey. It should be celebrated and honored. So thank you both so much. I appreciate all that, those words. And uh, I, I agree with um, healing the past at, you know, 48 years old, you know, coming to the point of being super proud of having this relationship grow with my daughters and knowing that in a way I feel like I healed that uh, child part of, you know, you know, your inner child that you, you work with. And I feel like I have honored her and I have also helped heal her in going through this process of understanding my daughter's um, feelings that I, that we both have the same feelings because of this cycle. But now that we're breaking it, even though I'm at 48, I'm still healing that little girl too. And being super excited that it's also um, things that my grandsons won't experience and their children won't experience, will not experience. That is the most rewarding thing that I can 
take with me and pass on and be okay with that I actually did this. Like that is my journey in this lifetime. I know it and I'm super grateful for it. So I think it's super important that it is being spoken through this so other people can hear it so they know that as hard as it is, as much as it's gonna fucking hurt, it's worth all of it. It doesn't feel pretty, but it, it's it's very rewarding. We have to be uncomfortable. It's not gonna feel good, but if you have to find yourself, you have to find your way, and especially if you have kids, you know, you you do it for your kids, but you really need to do it for yourself mm-hmm. in the beginning, yes. and then your kids will reap that reward. Yes. <laughs> I love you guys. You're great. I love you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. This is this is amazing. I I really. I would really like to believe that there are lots of mothers and daughters out there doing this work. I don't know, but they should be. And for those that aren't and that want to and feel like they can't, I send out every ounce of courage and light that I have out to them so that they can find that strength. And I know that everything you've expressed is going to hit some of those people. And I know that you sharing your story is going to change many lives. So I would be willing to speak to anybody. You know, I, I'm honestly. Well, now that you're saying that, are you um, comfortable with like sharing an email or you know, or your your handle on Instagram or a way that you know we can I can have someone contact me and if they want to talk more about it, I can connect you guys rather than giving out your information. You know, whatever you're comfortable. If they want to reach out, yes, I'm I'm open to speaking to anybody too. So yeah, if they reach out to you, you can. You know. Yeah, I'm willing. I'm totally willing. I will. I will lead the way. I will lead awesome. the way. So thank you again so much, both of you. I'm really honored that you you're sharing this. This is really sacred, and I also know that your other, your other beautiful daughter will benefit from this conversation too. Um, so I want everyone to know that no matter what your mother wound is, that you can be a, what I call a survivor of your legacy of loss. And to realize that on the other side of that loss that you grieve, you can actually gain everything and allow that to be your sacred daily practice. So I wanna thank you again. I also wanna thank everyone for listening. And I hope you join me next week for another episode of After Dark with Jay and The Real. Thank you again and have a great evening.